to the World of the Spirit podcast. My name is Elizabeth Young. And I'm Kate Chapman. Join us each week as we share our lives to show you and remind ourselves how spiritual principles can solve all our problems. Hello. Hi, Kate. Hi, Elizabeth. What are we talking about? Sneaking away. The magic of sneaking away and doing something you love. Like, what do you love to sneak away and do? Have these kinds of conversations. <laughs> what kind of conversation are we going to have? Spiritual. Co- I don't Spiritual. know. Just talking about what we're, what we're, what's working, right? What's mm-hmm. working. What's helping us to become that which we were intended to be. Well, I had this like random desire. I feel like we should say where we are in the world maybe and like anchor ourselves. That's good. Physically. Great. You go first. Okay. I am in Houston, Texas in my house, um, needing a more comfortable chair, but I'm not going to buy one right now. (laughs) Just aware of all the things that need to be different for me to be comfortable, which we will come back to. What about you? Where are you today? Love it. Love it. I am in Miramar Beach, Florida, Mm. and I am in my car. Why are you in your car? Parked in my driveway, looking at what I call the magical forest, but it's just the lot next door to our house that has a bunch of trees with yellow tags on them because eventually they will be building Mm. a house there. But I'm in my car because I've got three people in my home doing various things. And I knew that I would be interrupted in there. So I snuck away to have this conversation with you uninterrupted When we've been planning on having these, well, we have these conversations almost every day, we decided to try and record them and see if they could be useful to people besides us. I know I get so much connection and identification and comfort, clarity from our conversations and my conversations with um, people I'm close to on the path. So we're just giving this a go. Yeah. Yes. This, I, I think it was what sometime last year, 2022. I think it was, was it before that? No, I think it was right before, um, my mom died. We were talking about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in August, early August. August. And And then life came up. Yeah, then life unfolded the way it unfolded. And that that initial spark of having these conversations was we were on the phone and I remember where I was. I go to this spot by the beach after I dropped my son off from school. And we were in the middle of this conversation that always just takes on a life of its own. And I 
feel so inspired and God-led and open and connected and present when we have them that one of us said, God, we should record these. (laughs) And they were like, oh my God, we could do a podcast. So yes. And then, then, you know, that horrible accident with your mom, you know, life on life's terms presented itself and really, really, we got to, which I'm, maybe you want to talk about, you know, put some of these principles that we're always sharing with one another, put, put them into practice in a real way, in a useful way. When life hands us something that is just so tragic as with what happened with your mom. Well, and the language I've kind of used when it seems appropriate to speak about it in whatever setting with other people is um, because I was engaged in a spiritual practice that was pretty consistent and consistently growing when she was killed, there wasn't like this scrambling back up out of a hole to try to figure out how to have a connection or conscious contact. There was extreme pain and discomfort. And um, I remember in the, you know, the first couple days afterward, I would have, I would be seized with these um, waves of um, just of horror, whether it was images or, um, just the adrenaline and the chemicals and the grief coming through my body. And I would call you and this, these are some of my strongest memories of, of this, um, phase of life. And you would sit with me on the phone and you would help me to be in my body and you would help me to breathe. And you would ask me where in the body was I feeling it? And I would go into the mind, into the stories of oh, I should have done this and I should have done this and how did, and no, it's a mistake. And it's just, you know, the mind trying to figure out a safe place to land, to be, for reality to be different. And you would stay on the phone with me and the waves would subside and then it would be time to go take a shower. And every time it happened and we did that, it surprised me that it would just end. And so now, you know, it's been a few months, but that practice of experiencing something on the inside and it being unbearable is just a larger um, or kind of a, a more extreme version of what at least the people I talk to, we wake up with on a daily basis, which is the things we have to do, the things we're thinking about, the past, the future. And we wake up in the morning and it's just all right there, clamoring. And so I know, you know, a lot of what you and I talk about is how we practice living with that and not being a hostage to it. And I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to be able to talk and record, to share with people how we have found 
and very humanly tried to um, reconcile living in reality with being spiritual. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, as you know, tragic events that happen to us and that you were in the flow of a practice and you were able to continue that practice. And, you know, really those moments where you and I spoke and you were in extreme pain, the mind has no solutions for us, right? It's like, we know that, you know, spiritual principles really do solve all our problems and spiritual experiences don't happen in the mind. So I have to get out of my mind, but how do I get out of my mind? And when you shared about, you know, the analogy of most people wake up with this every day, wake up with what? We wake up with our mind, our stories, our plans, our concepts, which is just the tums, you know, the sum total of our experience from the moment we entered to this moment now. And is that moving us through our day? Is the mind, the old ideas, the old samskaras, as Michael Singer shares about, which we'll probably share about him a lot because we do talk about his book, Living Untethered and the Untethered Soul, because that book, that first book is really, well, it wasn't his first book, but in that book, The Untethered Soul, it really is the depiction of what happens when I allow my mind to run my life. And it's torture. It's torture. And so how do I wake up each morning and not do that? making a conscious decision to remain in conscious contact with the now, with the present, with the experience of that which is greater than my mind. That's what you and I practice and talk about and live in. And that's the magical garden, right? That's the magical experience. It wasn't, of course, always like that. Um, you know, I, and, and can, we can still, I can still fall into the trap of going into my mind for solutions. Somehow I need to generate the next good idea and to really live in a surrendered state where I'm open and receptive to that which is greater than my mind. You know, and that, some people, you know, everybody's got a different name for it. Some people say spirit. Some people say soul. Some people say God. Some people say universal love. Some people say nature. Whatever that is doesn't matter because that too can just become a concept. And so to actually live in the wakeful state of experiencing that which I have a relationship with, a living, 
breathing experience of something greater than my mind is what you were talking about in those moments where you were breathing and you were wanting to go into the stories. Like if I would have just gotten to my, if I would have stopped and saw my mother before, you know, I got home from that trip that time, or if I would have done this, or if I would, the mind is the hamster wheel and there's no end. And so to come in the, you know, that first step of really just getting out of the mind and physically feeling the body, feeling the pain, breathing through the discomfort, through the emotion, letting it out. And I remember one call specifically where it was just sounds and cries and mm. primal, just letting it out and, and almost birth. It's like this, it was like a birth. It reminded me of that particular call and you just were letting these sounds and emotions and and when we do that and let it through pass through it doesn't get stuck in the body and that's what Michael Singer's work is so brilliant at, at you know depicting is how it gets stuck in the body becomes what the Buddhists call samskaras or the blocked energy and these swirling bits of stuck energy are what eventually cause discomfort, disease in the body. And so how can we live present so that we're not collecting any more of them, even when hard things happen in our life? I was sitting this morning in meditation on my patio, um, and I was having... Um, you know, I do have in trying to have the open heart that Michael Singer talks about and be open to life, images, thoughts, things that are blocked or things that are just in my surroundings are going to come in. And we experience this through our five senses, but also like you've talked about through these basically just conditioned patterns of stuff from the past that then comes in. And I think it's real and present. And then I attach to it. And so this morning and the last few days, you know, one of the things I've had, which I guess I could describe like grief, trying to find the energy pathways through me is, um, an image of, um, when I got to the hospital and how the, the people at the hospital, um, lay out the loved one and there's a time clock that you get to have. And, uh, if you're lucky and I was racing against that time clock and that was the only, that was the time I got with the physical form, uh, of my mother and, uh, and that image has been returning to me. And, you know, one of the things that you and I've talked about over the last few months is um, I was also having imaginary images of her accident, which I wasn't at the accident scene. Um, I wasn't. And, uh, and so, you know, as one of the questions I've had for kind of universal love or mind or God or whatever is as that image comes to me of being with her, you know, the torso, the part of her that I could touch, um, 
as that image comes, um, am I supposed, you know, staying open? Okay. This is the potential to be blocked energy. I can stew over this. I can obsess over it. I must let it go. Okay. It arises and I, I let it, I let it have its way. And then I try to turn my thoughts, not, not to get rid of it and not to suppress it, but somehow to get to a place of releasing it. And, and that's a practice. I don't know if I'm doing it effectively or not, but one of the things, you know, that I want to talk to you about is, you know, in that moment when the thing arises and it's not so much I'm angry or I'm afraid it's, Oh, there's a disturbance, but I, I don't, I don't want to create a habitat around it, but it is there. And so, um, do you have like a, a technique or a thought of like, what's the, when that comes like, Oh, I want to release it. So it doesn't get blocked. Hmm. Well, the, one of the things that comes to mind for me is I would ask you who, who is seeing the image? Oh, sure. I'm seeing the image, like my consciousness, my consciousness is seeing the image. And do you hold, what, what do you do when the image arises or you become aware? Mm. Oh, here's this image of my mother in this car trapped or the torso, whatever the image looks like. What do you do when it, when you become aware that it's there? Well, usually there's like a constriction of breath or in the mm -hmm. chest and there's like a physical, and there then is. I, and then I become like, okay, okay, let's breathe. Lately it's been, let's breathe through this. Yeah. So right there in the noticing what happens in the body, we're back to that same point where the practice becomes surrendering the story, the image, mm. the mind and shifting awareness to the body, the constriction in the heart, the chest, the shortness of breath, and then inviting literally the breath of life into the body and breath work. I mean, I just experienced it actually for the first time, traditional breath work. Mm. It was so powerful so powerful and you know i've also was trained as a yoga teacher so breath literally feeling being aware of the breath from the pit of the stomach what is my breath getting curious about the breath what is my breath doing where is it going how is it traveling so i'm shifting my attention from the image, from the mind manifestation to the physical manifestation. 
That's the first, that's the first piece because I can't just not, it's like um, Emmett Fox's the law of substitution, mm. right? He introduces the law of substitution. We can't just say, don't think about, and he uses the analogy of the Statue of Liberty. It's like, can't just say, don't think about the Statue of Liberty because <laughs> what are you going to do? Think about I'm the gonna, Statue of Liberty. I'm going to see that lady I right can't there stop. with her hand. I mean, I can't stop. There she is. And and then I remember the time I went with my dad and I felt trapped and I was mm. like, I got to turn around. I can't do this. And he was all mad. And my brother wanted to go to the top. And it's like, there it goes, right? Mm. One, one, all we said was Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and did you see how it just, the mind, it had this whole thing. It went into the past. It grabbed the story, the memory. I could see the imagery. Mm. There it is. So the law of substitution is I have to substitute. I have to give the mind like a child. You want to move their attention from over here playing with the china here, look, there's a ball. <laughs> and you bring them over to the ball. <laughs> it's the same thing with the mind, right? So the mind wants to hang on to this image. Now we can't, I can't control. I don't, maybe there are people out there that can, but I just, images arise, thoughts arise. The mind does what the mind does. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. It does woo all these things. But me hanging out in there, trying to, fix it, tweak it, change it. That's just the hamster on the wheel. You know, that's just that I'm not getting anywhere. And so to shift law of substitution, my attention to the physical body, especially with pain, grief, those situations that we can't go back, we can't, can't change, we can't change anything that happened in the past. And the mind just wants to replay that old trauma. We shift to the body. Uh, one of the things I used to do for, was a huge practice for years is press my feet into my shoes onto the surface I'm standing and just breathe and let it come, whatever it is. And then as soon as I become aware of a story, I shift back to the body and breathe and let it come through. And then I become aware of a story again. And it's just this continuous conscious contact. What are we being consciously connected to? The reality that's coming through our mind, body, spirit, our mind, body mechanism right now, mm. right now. That's it. Yeah. Yesterday I was at the, um, the water filter um on the outside of my refrigerator when it came and I was bent over and I go and I'm oh I'm at the refrigerator like back to the present moment back to the present moment and I know you mean for, you noticed it was out no I I, I saw the image as I bent over to get the oh, water yes. Oh, yes. and then I then the breath caught then I returned to the breath and then it's like oh I'm standing here with a water glass getting water. And so I think over time, the practice 
And it's not about there's there's not like, oh, if you can do it after one second, you get a gold star. If you can do yeah. it after five seconds, you get a bronze star, right? That's the mind is like that there's going to be a perfect way of practicing rather than <laughs> a practice way of practicing. <laughs> a messy messy uh, way no it's it's just messy and then water goes on the ground because i can't get water in a water glass which is a whole separate episode yes. um probably because i'm not thinking about being present mm. but well, I you're know- not present forget <laughs> thinking about being thinking, present because we yeah, can't I just think did it. about yeah, yeah no yeah. um well our language doesn't allow our mm, language yeah it, it we're in a culture here in the United States. We don't have the language for living here. And, you know, we, you and I immerse ourselves in these conversations and the literature that supports this as so many. I mean, I think so many people now are and waking up to different aspects of healing Um so that we can just be here you know like michael talks about he's like we just all want to be here okay right we just mm-hmm. want to be okay and we are okay and that's the magnificent thing and a lot of work and a lot of i think what our conversations will be in this podcast is that all of our problems stem from the mind and that all of our problems can be solved through spiritual experience, which is the culmination in this moment of spiritual practice. I can't practice later. I can't practice tomorrow or yesterday. I can't access the infinite potential of everything that is possible in the universe later i can't do it later (laughs) and for so many years of my life Mm -hmm. i lived in that belief that there was a later and so when i but when you believe there's a later well and yeah sure i'll do that meditation later i'll take that deep breath later i'll i'll lift that weight later you know and it's just like this procrastination of and and continuing to live between my ears in a world that was made by my design and as long as everything on the outside went the way i thought it should i was good but whoa if something showed up that wasn't supposed to according to my design i wasn't so good i was disturbed but to be able to live in a state of being where whatever's going on even when something as horrific as your mother is killed in a car wreck, that you are able to be in your body, your life, and walk through that experience in a way that, I mean, from my perspective, is complete grace. Totally. To watch you walk through it to take over the responsibility of her practice as you have your own work and her two homes and 
you have your own home. And just to watch you walk through all of that and continue to walk through it and to continue to have a willingness to seek the presence and power that is alive within each of us. That to me is what keeps me so excited to keep talking to you. (laughs) Well, I'm somebody who could not have a better support system and um, we're so lucky to have the communities that we have and I've benefited greatly from the generosity and the quality time of especially you and others as well who can be in um, a space where it just it's not, it doesn't feel um, where the mind is not able to paper over reality sufficiently to make it look okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet to have this deep abiding sense of there is a current running through life that is power and that is accessible it just can feel diminished at times. And also to, to practice the difference between being blocked because I need to clean something up and blocked because, you know, this is the natural course of events. Yes. Yes. Like in a, in a wrong or a harm that you've done Mm, to the world that you need to go, Oh, wow. The way I spoke to you was not okay. You know, cleaning up our behavior, our actions Mm -hmm. versus life, just doing life. And there's real pain. What is that? You know, that phrase suffering, suffering is optional. Pain is optional. Suffering is Oh yeah. I think there's suffering is optional pain, but pain is, is part yeah. of life. because, and the suffering, you know, that, that mental manifestation of suffering, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't say what I want them to say. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they say hello to me? How come he fired me and not her? You know, mm. all the life isn't doing what I think life should do. That's the mental manifestation of suffering. Yeah. But then we can be completely present and life is going to do what it does. People, you know, people are, I love recently, I heard Michael Singer share about, you know, the sun going around the earth, going around the sun, you know, when we get, we, we basically get like 70, 80 trips. That's it. <laughs> it's been doing it for built like a billion in years billion years. I, he knows the number. I don't know his big number. And we get like 80. If you're like my grandpa got 95, 94, mm. 94 uh, trips around. That's, that's a pretty nice number around, but that, that's not a lot. It's not a lot. Of, it's not a lot of time. We're a blip. And so to allow mm. my mind to dictate and drive me through this magical experience where there's infinite possibilities alive within me right now. That's just 
ludicrous. That's crazy. And yet I did it for so long. Mm. And I think our conversations, you know, how do we back out of that? How do we, what spiritual principles have we used in our own lives that have allows, allowed us to wake up over time to ways in which we were perpetuating the suffering and causing our own suffering? Well, and we can talk about too, like how, how practical this is because, you know, there's, it's one thing to like, like you shared about, there are things that happen in life that are unfolding that are not because of choices we made. And then, but recognizing that the choices we have is in the movement of mind saying this to, am I going to get on that train? And it's a really strong, loud train. Or am I going to go, oh, that's mind. Mind is telling me this. I actually don't want to choose that aspect of mind to believe or give power to. And I, I know for me, I get, a, I talk to a lot of people in my life. I'm sure you do in yours, you know, we're like, well, I meditated and, you know, I couldn't get my mind to stop or I meditated and um, I didn't really get anything out of it. I don't think it's doing anything. And while I definitely identify with that, I, I think one of the biggest obstacles we face is people on the path who want to share, share the path and, and encourage the disciplines that really make the path um, rich is these ideas of like what it's supposed to feel like if I'm really meditating, what I'm supposed to feel like how do I deal with the mind when it is so powerful? And so what do I do is I don't sit because I don't like what I hear when I sit. Mm -hmm. And I think what we practice is this unconditional, I am going to sit no matter what, no matter mm -hmm. what it says, no matter what arises, I am, you know, you taught me to set a timer and like start at a minute, go for 30 days. And then we kicked it up to three or five or 10. Cause if I can do a minute for 30 days, I can handle what comes up in that minute. And when I say I, what I mean is the larger, I, right. It may be an act of will at first of like, I'm using my willpower to set this timer. What it becomes over time is what you would say to me is I have to signal to my mind using the timer that it doesn't run my life today. <laughs> Do you remember telling me that that's like yeah. four years ago? <laughs> oh, I've repeated that so much. Yeah. Well, it's true. And that that's, that's how it started for me. I actually was told um, to use an egg timer because I was just too distractible to use a phone, you know, and, and I'm like, what an egg timer? I didn't even know what an egg timer was. And I literally got one of those white old egg mm. timer thing. And that, and I went into a closet. I started in a closet because I could not meditate. I was, I was married, newly married, probably maybe second year or so. And I just, I could, the noises I could, I could hear like the other, I could hear, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> so I went into a closet. I closed the 
closet door and I sat in the dark with my egg timer and I started, you know, because what my mentor said to me at the time was if you're not sitting, your mind is running your life. And I was like, what? What is he talking about? What does that even? And when I began a practice, and he said, start with 30 for 30 days, one minute. So that's what I did. I started one minute for 30 days. He said, when you get 30 days in a row, let me know. Now, of course, you know, I, I do that with people and <laughs> like they'll get 10 days and then be like, oh, I forgot yesterday or I missed a day or so it might not just take 30 days to get 30 days. But when you do get 30 days, you know, and it began to I began to be aware, be aware. And from that, you know, the journey just goes on and on. But if I'm and I use the analogy that I've shared with you and I just use it all the time, it's like training a puppy. You know, that puppy that we want to go on the paper, you have to bring the mind is the puppy and I bring the, the mind back to the paper. So in the meditation, he just said, breathe and focus on your breath, get curious about your breath. And so that's what I did. I, I started to, okay, curious about my breath. Well, where is it even going? You know, that's, that's where I started and, and can I, you know, bringing it feeling it into the belly and where is it going between the belly and where it enters and and then the timer would go off and then I got up and just went about my business but it just began the journey of moving from heart from head to heart from head to mm. to body and so when the puppy like the mind would start to think I, you know, you don't kick the puppy and go, no, bad puppy, you're thinking, you're, you're, go paper, paper. No, you just gently guide the mind back. The mind thinks that's what it does. Who cares if it thinks? Why are you so invested in it not thinking? What does it matter? You're not the mind. <laughs> you're not the mind. So if it thinks or it doesn't think, who cares? And so to be able to sit long enough in my life not meaning long enough in a session because I really do understand today that, um, you know, quantity trumps, and uh, not quantity, um, consistency trumps quantity. You know, it's that consistent practice, not doing it, you know, 20 minutes one day and next week, not doing it again till next week. That never worked for me. What worked for me was the consistency of having a practice that's a daily practice that over time and years, I can look back and go, oh, wow, look how it's grown. And without that, I'm just letting my mind run the show. The mind is dictating and I'm buying everything it says. I mean, that's really the biggest change for me that I no longer believe my mind. Mm. I used to believe everything it said. I was like, oh my God. It's, but I've had a thought and I went that way. I had a feeling, I went that way. And the mind can be a little crazy at times, especially if something old's coming up or if something horrific is happening in life. You know, the mind is, is really, thank God, we don't have to 
we don't have to listen to the mind because we're not our minds. Well, and in order for there to be a pause in the moment, so I think it takes a sitting practice, number one, to notice and begin to observe the mind as not me, right? Like you asked me about who's the one who sees the image. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the benefits of the practice is I can think that I'm my mind or I'm my perception. And then if I don't like it, then I get to judge that as wrong. And then that's Mm -hmm. just a whole other thing that Mm -hmm. we'll we'll get into of like the judgment of the experience of trying to meditate and observe. But once I can observe and I have a practice observing what comes with that as well, if it's consistent is as I'm observing what I'm seeing, I can choose to turn right? Mm -hmm. The same way I'm going on a walk, I observe a neighbor over here who seems to be getting angry about something. Oh, look at that. That's none of my business. I'm sitting here in the seat of consciousness. I'm going to walk my dog over in this other direction. I'm going to turn my attention away from the disturbance that actually has nothing to do with me. And I'm going to go walk over here on this sunlit path. And that that power is not a power that I have of myself, of my mind. There has to be a surrender of um, not just my perception, but also what I do with what I see. Because once I can see the way that I see, I have almost an opportunity and maybe even a responsibility to see if there's something different I can do with it. And then that changes everything. Yep. So turning, having the power of choice to turn. And you speak about the pause. So that's the first result. It's a the ability to pause rather than react is a benefit of having a practice where you sit and watch meditation, contemplation, and being able to pause. You know, for me, the first step was I didn't react externally. I was able to take that pause, take a breath, turn. As in your example, turn to the sunlit path. And Lately, I've been experiencing that it arises without my having to think up the other thing to do, mm. right? It comes through. It's it's like my friend, a friend of mine said to me recently, Elizabeth, there is a hand inside the puppet. It took you, it took me so long to understand this analogy. And so I'm really Uh, excited to hear it again. Will you, do do you feel like going into it today or do we, do we want to leave it there? Oh, that would be a great place to leave it. And we'll, there's a cliffhanger. There's a spiritual cliffhanger. There's a spiritual cliffhanger. And in our, I guess our episode two. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's going to start with the puppet. <laughs> We're going to start with the hand inside with the, the hand puppet. inside the puppet. Yeah. Yes. Because you and I could really do this all day, right? Talk, oh, yeah. All day, every day, all night. Then we'd forget Mystical. to live. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We're, but we are not. What we are going to practice is I am going to go be nice to my dog. <laughs> and Elizabeth, who are you going to go? Who are you going to go be spiritual with? <laughs> I all just I'm going to be here with myself in the moment. And I'm going to just be kind and loving and tolerant to um, to those I interact with, those in front of my path. That's the goal. We'll see what happens. Stay here. Mm-hmm. Stay here. We'll go and. It's nice here. <laughs> it's nice here. It's nice here. Okay. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Well, we just want to express our gratitude for being a part of your day or your night or whenever you were able to fit this in and hope you'll join us again. Yes. Thanks for coming. And we'll see you next time on the World of the Spirit podcast.